Well, hello, and welcome to today's program. Uh, today, I'm going to be uh, sharing with you part one of a two-part series where I have interviewed Dr. Michael Lubrant, who is the Director of Mortuary Sciences at the University of Minnesota. And during our time together, um, we kind of decided that you know, we're going to break this up into two segments. So today, what we're going to talk about uh, during the segment is going to be uh, regarding some of the challenges that mortuary science programs across the United States are facing in terms of recruiting uh, students and, and raising awareness about even what funerals are. And so I hope that you find this as interesting as I did. This is FD Talks, a brand new podcast series by Funeral Directors Live, where we explore ideas, insights, and solutions for serving families in a rapidly changing marketplace. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome once again to FD Talks. You know, I'm really excited today that we're going to be launching a, a new series of episodes on this program that focus uh, on the mortuary science programs across the United States. And I'm hopeful in doing so, our listeners and, and myself will be able to learn a few things about what mortuary science students are learning today and what they're going to be carrying into the workplace. And we're also hoping to create an increased awareness about what mortuary science is for those who are seeking a service-minded career path and ultimately we want to add to the value of funeral service on the whole. So today, to kick off the series, I feel fortunate to have Dr. Michael Lubrant, Director of the Mortuary Science Program at the University of Minnesota, um, here with us today. Dr. Lubrant, good morning, and thank you for being here. Good morning. It's my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, sir. Uh, would you mind just telling us a little bit about um, maybe how you've come to be in the position that you are today, a little bit about your background? Sure. So um, I'm actually not from Minnesota originally. I'm actually uh, from New York State. I grew up in upstate New York. And uh, when I was in high school, I started work helping out a funeral director. And that's where my interest in mortuary science began. I studied mortuary science at a community college in upstate New York. Uh, worked at a funeral home there, lived at a funeral home. Uh, went on and uh, got a graduate degree, a master's degree. And my thinking was I'd like to be able to teach one day. So I knew I had to have that credential. Continued to work at a funeral home during that time. And once I finished my master's degree, I began my teaching work. I started out at a school out in California, the San Francisco College of Mortuary Science. I was there for a year. And uh, then I went and I did some more funeral home work in the Indianapolis area. And uh, then I came up to Minnesota. There was a job teaching uh, available there that I applied for, uh, teaching embalming and restorative art. And I started uh, up here in Minnesota in 1998. And then in 2001, I assumed administration, uh, administrative leadership of the program. And I've been in that role for about uh, 20 years now. Um, I still do some teaching work. I oversee the clinical rotation, uh, clinical education program. Uh, I also do uh, other work in the university, including a lot of uh, work in fundraising and development for the program uh, as well. It gets me uh, out quite a bit throughout the state with our practitioners, and it's work I love doing. Wow, that's great. Um, so tell me a little bit about what you're seeing there in, in your department as far as students coming and going and some of the, the trends, just some what's, what's happening in your area. Uh, a number of things that we've observed here, I think it should... Uh, come as no surprise, I think, to most of your listeners that the demographic of who makes up a mortuary science student today has changed considerably over the past 20 to 30 years. You know, at the turn of the millennium, we started to observe uh, more women than men entering the career of mortuary science. Uh, we've seen similar patterns in higher education across the board as well. Uh, I suspect your listeners also know that uh, far more individuals pursuing mortuary science come to us without having 
uh, immediate family members or relatives in mortuary science. Whereas a couple of generations ago, of course, it was far more common uh, to have students in programs whose families owned mortuaries. Uh, that's changed quite a bit now. If we look at uh, parents uh, whose children pursue mortuary science, that's maybe 10% of our student population, give or take. So far more people coming to mortuary science from outside uh, family backgrounds than we saw in the past as well. What kind of uh, enrollment are you seeing in that program right now? Well, uh, enrollments, uh, enrollments have fluctuated, of course, over the years. And we saw a spike in enrollments nationally uh, in the 2000, I'm sorry, the late, uh, mid to late 1990s. I think it was around 1996, 97, when I first began teaching, we saw our largest enrollments in mortuary science across the country. And they've ebbed and flowed a bit over the years. And uh, in the past several years, we've started to see a bit of an uptick nationally as well. Uh, enrollments vary depending upon program, depending upon in-person or online. Uh, we're starting to see a greater growth in online learning, especially for individuals who might be career uh, changers, individuals who are perhaps landlocked where they have a job already or a home and they can't necessarily uh, pick up and go to move to a geographic area where a school is located. So we're seeing growth in the population of people pursuing funeral service education careers who might be considered quote unquote non-traditional college age students who are pursuing these avenues uh, remotely through distance learning opportunities. So Dr. Lubrant, what sorts of efforts do you all make to, um, to recruit people into that program? Sure, so at, at our program, we're involved in a number of different recruitment initiatives. Uh, the university offers a pre-health science career exploration course, so we're strongly involved with that and other initiatives that the university has uh, for individuals who are looking to be perhaps uh, transfer students from junior colleges, looking to finish baccalaureate degrees, as well as uh, freshman initiatives uh, as well. You know, when I think about the recruiting piece, one of the things that I reflect upon are ways that practitioners can become more involved in helping with recruiting efforts. It's, it's interesting, one of the questions I get asked a lot when I go out into the field uh, for funeral director meetings and the like, uh, practitioners wanna know about enrollments, about where we see the future going in terms of who's entering mortuary science and the like, and questions that we get, because in our part of the world, up here in the upper Midwest, we are seeing uh, declines in available people to serve openings in the workforce. Uh, there are labor shortages in a number of different fields. And so one of the questions that I always bring up and talk about with my audience, the funeral directors with whom I'm working is I, I say, what do you think is the, the, most, the, the question, the single question I get asked most by prospective students when I go to these career fair opportunities, talking about what mortuary science is, hands go up. What do you think the questions that's most on prospective students' minds. And so I, I, I pose this question to the practitioners, the funeral directors in my audience, and hands all go up and, and, and invariably they say, how much am I gonna make? How much am I gonna, number one question that funeral directors think I get asked as a funeral service educator is, what will I earn if I pursue this field? How much money will I make? And, and that isn't, the question I get asked most frequently. In fact, it's a question I hardly ever get asked. Uh, the most common question that I find I am asked or that we get asked at our career booths when we set up is, what's mortuary science? Yeah. What's a funeral? And when I tell my funeral director colleagues that, there's usually the silence or a gasp, like, 
what do you mean what's mortuary science or what's a funeral? And I said, that's the number one question we get when we go out. Uh, when talk to a lot of folks today, they've never been to a funeral. Uh, they've never seen one, uh, never experienced uh, going to a funeral home or a mortuary. So they have no idea what it is that we do or what it is that we're about. Uh, but that's the most common question that we get asked. I believe that I've, I've actually been with a couple of funeral directors and who, who have gone and spoken at universities for and in like psychology class settings, you know, they weren't sure. mortuary science programs, but, you know, to have a funeral director come in and talk to a bunch of sophomore college students who haven't been to a funeral, they do, they ask that question. And it's really, it, it's kind of stifling to me to think that someone could, could be that far along in life and not have, have ever attended a, a real funeral. Um, I have a faculty in my program whose grandparents are still living. They're well into their 90s. They've never lost a close relative through death, whereas a generation or so ago when life expectancies weren't uh, not as long as they are today, it would have been more common. But it's not at all common to meet people in their 30s or 40s or older whose family members and loved ones are all still living. They've never had the opportunity to experience a funeral uh, for a loved one. What kind, in your experience, what kind of student or person, uh, I guess you said non-traditional too, what, what sort of a person is drawn to funeral service? The way we've always framed our discussions about this is that mortuary science and funeral service is a vocation. It's a calling. It's something that comes from one's heart. I tell prospective students at these meetings, well, if you're looking for a career, going through a catalog and just looking at, well, what are my hours and what is my pay going to be? this is not for you. You won't enjoy this work. This isn't um, something that I think you'll find very much satisfaction out of because it's a life dedicated to service. And so what I find going through our application, let me give you an example. Just yesterday, I was reading uh, a statement, a personal statement as part of the application process that we require for admissions. We require letters of recommendation and a, and a personal statement. And in this personal statement, the applicant reflected upon her experience of doing an internship at a funeral home with one of her alum prior to applying. And she's had the experience of being with that funeral director, uh, helping out families in a, in a very limited capacity in the state uh, where she lives. It's possible to do um, some form of internship prior to uh, pursuing a mortuary science degree. And just looking at the insight that she shared in that essay about her experience and how that affirmed her desire to pursue mortuary science, what that says to me is that the role funeral directors play in recruiting individuals to serve their communities is absolutely critical. It's key to what we're doing moving forward. So it's really important that mortuary science practitioners have close relationships with their funeral service education programs in their state or in their region and work collaboratively for the goal of providing opportunities uh, to bring in people, prospective people, to explore what it means to be a funeral director and then to work to encourage them to enter the profession. What are some challenges that you, you think are happening between that, that way of thinking, of thinking that funeral directors really need to be uh, sort of uh, ambassadors to uh, mortuary science students um, versus being able to bring those students into the workforce? Where, where are some disconnections happening there? Well, I think one of the disconnects, of course, would be the uh, legal piece, the liability piece, uh, as well as the privacy piece, you know, that uh, 
when a funeral director is serving a client family, you're at a, at a very vulnerable time with, with the families that you're serving. And you have to be very mindful of and sensitive to those families. And so as you consider offering a job shadow opportunities to prospective mortuary science students as a practitioner, they've told me I want to be very, very careful as far as how I, I approach doing something like this with a family. Um, I want to get to know a prospective student first, maybe have them come by and just uh, help out. Maybe if I need some assistance setting up something in our chapel or to volunteer a little bit to do that, to get to know them uh, a bit better. And as they get to know the prospective student, the individual who might serve them, maybe provide them with greater opportunities. Certainly states where laws or policies enable prospective mortuary science to uh, students to have funeral home experience, I think that can be very, very helpful because they can get a full sense of, of what mortuary science is about. Uh, the state, uh, the policy, the laws don't allow for something like that. It makes it more challenging, a funeral director might want to provide a prospective student with more experience or opportunities to learn, but because of their laws, they simply aren't able to do that. And that can cause a kind of disconnect that uh, can be of, of concern to folks where they don't have the opportunity, practitioners, to provide that type of maybe orientation uh, to our profession that they'd like to out of respect you know, for the, the policies and the laws in the state uh, where they work. One of the things that I hear uh, uh, a lot of funeral homeowners talk about uh, is the fact that they're having trouble recruiting new new uh, graduates from these programs. What are some challenges that you think exist between uh, between prospective employers and prospective employees today? Networking opportunities, number one. Uh, we did research a long time ago asking how it is that prospective employers come to know prospective employees in mortuary science. And overwhelmingly, it's usually by word of mouth. Uh, people get to know one another. I, I wrote a small article for the director.edu, an NFDA publication um, about a month or two ago where I talk about this. It's that importance of building relationships up. It's getting to know one another. Uh, funeral home may have an opportunity. Uh, maybe a little quiet about or not exactly sure what to go, but what are they gonna do? They're gonna to talk to people they know. It's a program director like myself, but oftentimes it's a vendor, uh, somebody that calls upon the funeral home at a regular basis. Uh, it might be during conversations at a state convention or something like that, but uh, very much getting to know who's who, building opportunities so that practitioners and students can network. So a couple of things that we did in our program several years ago, we started, uh, we did pancake breakfasts where we'd uh, get out the griddle and uh, invite funeral directors in and students and they'd do a networking opportunity over pancake. And then that grew and it got sort of larger. So then we started a, a version of kind of like a speed dating type of thing where we uh, allowed people to sign up and we had them at stations and they could go and meet with students and like we'd have them ring a bell every five minutes and go from one to another and to another. And, there were things about that that worked and other things about that formatting that weren't quite as efficient. So this year, uh, because we couldn't do anything on campus as a result of COVID, we tried uh, another uh, approach where we did virtual open houses via Zoom. So what we did was we set up time in January, alternating uh, Fridays and Saturdays for two hour time block. And every firm that wanted to come in could, they had a 20 minute sign up period and uh, students were given a profile. The funeral homes filled out a short questionnaire, talked about their location, their culture, a number of different things. Students could see them in advance. Students could upload their resumes and make those connections. 
And it was completely led by the students. Uh, they set up the Zoom meeting and they facilitated the dialogue and they set up all of those blocks. And so we had six per two hour seating and we did that over a period of four weeks. So that allowed for 24 networking events. Uh, practitioners loved it, especially those who you get somebody in rural Minnesota it's very difficult to pick up on the middle of a day and drive three or four hours down to the metro and then they might get a first call then they have to cancel so using technology we've come up with more ways to help build these relationships up and it takes work but it's critical work because uh, we don't see the type of necessarily postings on, on larger recruiting websites it's so much of it's done via word of mouth so what we've tried to do is create as many opportunities as possible for practitioners to network with students during their program. And the other thing that I think people need to be mindful of, at least it's been our experience here, is that many of the students, if they don't have jobs lined up when they start the funeral service education program, many of them are confirming their internships months before they graduate. So all that practitioners say, well, I'm gonna wait and I'll send you a posting maybe in February or March for the May class. And you're five to six months late on a lot of people with that. Many of the students, are trying to set up their internships now. They're going to graduate in May. They'll be working really hard on that in September, October, November, the previous. So it's really important to begin the process early on. Well, I hope that you found that as insightful and as interesting as I did. And I'd like to remind you also that this was only part one in a two-part series. I'd like to invite you to join us next time where we, we uh, continue to explore this topic, but also explore some advice and some uh, best practices moving forward. If you would like to reach out to us about this episode or this series, please visit us online at funeraldirectorslife.com forward slash FD Talks. There you can find information about this episode and submit any comments, suggestions, or feedback about our series. And we also welcome your ideas for future episodes. Join us next time on FD Talks as we explore ideas, insights, and solutions for serving families in a rapidly changing marketplace.